Welcome to Transform, a podcast highlighting the people and ideas shaping the future of senior living. I'm Tim Laney with Senior Housing News. Relying on demographics to drive senior living occupancy in the years ahead is a recipe for failure, according to Rob Chapin, CEO of Bridge Seniors Housing and Medical Properties. Consumers have an increasing number of options for where they live as they age, meaning senior living operators and owners must be innovating to create a more desirable product, Chapin says on this episode of Transform. Under his leadership, Bridge has been growing in new directions. Last year, the investment firm got into operations through its acquisition of Summerby Senior Living, which has been rebranded as Bridge Senior Living. Management of that 26-property portfolio now is based out of Bridge's home base of Orlando. In this interview, you'll hear more about Bridges' entry into operations, its banner year for investments in 2019, and where the group is focused in 2020, as the deal environment remains competitive and operational headwinds persist. Before we get to my interview, we'd like to thank our podcast sponsor today, Point Click Care. Are you looking to streamline your workflows for service delivery and documentation? Visit www.pointclickcare.com to see how Point Click Care's new mobile app, Companion, can provide you with simplified services and medication delivery in the palm of your hand. And now my interview with Rob Chapin. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Tim, thank you. It's great to be with you to kick off a new decade and a new year in 2020. Absolutely. So I guess on that note, my first question is actually looking back on 2019, wondering if you can speak to some of the highlights for Bridge and maybe some of the top challenges you encountered in the last 12 months. You know, as we really jumped into 2019, I think we had a a lot of headwinds as an overall sector from a macro perspective, but certainly in the context of uh, of our own company and, and how we are approaching the year in terms of some of the big goals we had, both from a performance in our own assets as well as getting capital out the door in new investments with uh, in quality opportunities. And so I would say that, you know, as we as we started the year in the face of a lot of headwinds, we uh, I'm really thrilled that uh, 2019 was really our best year to date since the inception of our fund management business here at Bridge Seniors uh, Housing and couldn't be more proud of our team and all the efforts that they put into it. You know, Tim, I think the last time we spoke, we had just come off of acquiring a great portfolio of assets called the Summerby Portfolio. We also acquired an operating company that we were starting to integrate into our business. So we had a lot of different activities that were warring for our time. And and so to end 2019 with, uh, I think, some of the great performances, uh, something that uh, I'm most proud of our team here at Bridge. Great. I'm curious about that Summerbee acquisition that you just referenced. I think last time we talked about that, the acquisition of, of the operating company in particular, you talked about as having the intention of identifying some best operational practices and maybe driving those across the whole portfolio. I'm wondering if that started to happen or if you can just maybe speak to the integration of that operating company since you made that uh, transaction. Yeah, yeah, I think it in, in a lot of ways it's exceeded our expectations in terms of the impact it's starting to have as a result, candidly, of of performance in our um buildings that Bridge Senior Living, it, which formerly was Summerby Senior Living, we've rebranded it since that point in time. But I think one of the things first and foremost that differentiates uh, Bridge Investment Group is our product specializations and our vertical integrations of our 
of our different asset categories uh, that we're involved in kind of a cross bridge, like in our multifamily group, uh, we manage all of our multifamily assets in our commercial office. It's the same. The world of seniors housing, as you know, is, is different in the context that, you know, it's harder to manage all of your assets when you're a national owner of seniors housing real estate, given the local nature of the sector. I think, you know, again, what we have really tried to do is look at where we believe our operating company can have the greatest impact given the resources and the tremendous kind of uh, assets and skills that they have from a geographic standpoint and across all the different uh, lines of our business to drive value. We've been able to do that, I think, uh, relatively successfully. I think we we actually exceeded the number of properties that we added to the Bridge Senior Living Operating Portfolio by more than double than what our initial projections for 2019 were. So a lot of uh, transitions for that team, but pleased to say that, you know, as we're starting to get on the other side of those transitions and see traction within the context of uh, a new operator, we're seeing some tremendous results on the backside of that. But the other side of it is as well that, Bridge Senior Living, I think, is engaging well with our third-party operators. Uh, that's uh, critically important to our ongoing business. And as a result of that, I think our third-party operators and partners that we work with uh, across the country are helping Bridge Senior Living, you know, uh, in many areas as well. So I think the the opportunity for both of us is one of, you know, lifting the performance and best practices across uh, what we do in delivering a high-quality living environment for our residents. Great. When did you do that rebranding from Summerbee to Bridge Senior Living? That happened in the first part of the year. We felt like it was important and very important to have the Bridge brand associated with our operating platform as we have in our other verticals uh, in multifamily and, and in office as well to really kind of carry forth kind of more of that fully kind of integrated aspect of how we we believe the business practically operates. We have also relocated the core operating functions of the operating company from Birmingham, Alabama to Orlando, Florida, where Bridge Seniors is headquartered and expanded the space there. So we, what we really have is truly a, a, a vertically integrated model with both our fund management, asset management, investment teams working side by side, literally here in Orlando with, uh, with our operating platform team. And we're really seeing some tremendous benefits as a result of that. Interesting. How I think I saw just yesterday press release come through with um, maybe four communities getting that rebrand of Bridge Senior Living, and I think it was also maybe newly managed by Bridge. How how large is that portfolio of Bridge Senior Living branded and managed communities at this point? Yeah, currently Bridge Senior Living operates twenty four kind of bridge owned properties across fifteen states, and right. we are also just from the prior transaction uh, and the activities of Summerby Senior Living operating on a third-party basis, uh, two additional communities as well. So for a total of 26 today. Got it. And in that change from sort of the headquarters of the operating company, were there any personnel changes, any of the Summerby executive team transition out? 
you know, not not at the management level. We we really have expanded and very excited about a lot of new talent that we brought on board over the course of 2019 to really drive you know the the, uh, the leadership across our communities that that we directly manage. So nobody at that level. As a matter of fact, we've probably more than tripled the size of our management team since then. We've added a chief operating officer, which we're really excited about. We're also in the midst of. Uh, kind of final interview stages of, of hiring a chief talent officer. We moved one of the key strategic salespeople on the bridge senior living operating side into a role uh, where this person actually is uh, title now as chief sales officer. So this person is working between both bridge senior living and, and our third-party operators on the fund management side and kind of overseeing a lot of the strategies for our sales and marketing initiatives and, and, and collaborating directly with our third-party operators, which is working really well. Great. Yeah, maybe can you, can you talk a little bit more about the relationship with the third-party operators? Because one thing that I've heard sort of across the industry is more active asset management on the part of ownership groups than in the past, whether it's REITs, whether it's private owners, and more integration, I think, of owners becoming operators where maybe in the past they weren't, which I think bridges one example of that. And sometimes it seems to be working really well. And sometimes it seems like there's definitely a learning curve for creating these closer relationships and having maybe more asset management might not even be the right word, but a more collaborative approach to operations than maybe in the past. So is it sort of a fine line between being able to take the insights and opinions and preferences that you have now as an operator yourself and in working with third-party operators, being able to guide in a helpful way without seeming like you're being too dictatorial or something like that? Yeah, I think I think that's really the benefit that we have uh, having our own operations platform now. I think you know we we have a more of a direct appreciation for uh, how operators go about doing their business. I think that has has helped us as a fund manager think about and how we approach challenges within our business, how we think about selecting new operators in the acquisition of properties or where we want to add uh, new third-party operators and partners with us. So I think from that side of things, we have really grown to appreciate uh, in a way we couldn't have without having our own operating platform. And so it's been a tremendous benefit. I think it's really worked well with our third-party operators to date, you know, where we feel like that we do, don't really need to have a lot of involvement um, with our third-party operator partners. We don't get that involved. And where we do, we want to be involved to help come alongside them to make them successful where we feel like we might be able to provide value without telling them what to do or how to do it, but enhancing uh, the things where we might be having challenges, whether it be you know in recruiting, labor, staffing, issues, whether it be, you know, in culinary or or care or activities, wherever those sales and marketing, obviously, wherever we can bring some ideas and thoughts and direct input for them to be successful, that's really where we see ourselves providing a, um, you know, kind of that value add benefit as not only an owner, but also the perspective as, as an operator as well with what we believe to be, you know, some some pretty keen skill sets around uh, different areas that, that really drive the success of our business. So that's how we look at it. I think, 
you know, we are very much aware, and we've talked about this before, Tim, and committed to the space. We'll continue to grow with our current operating partners and, and seek new operating relationships throughout the country. I think that was really evidenced in 2019 when we talk about having an you know, uh, our best year ever, we deployed over $300 million of equity in the space in seniors housing, which translated uh, into over a billion dollars of transactions. We added uh, four new operating uh, partners to to our kind of uh, syndication of, of operators. So we are very much engaged in growing our business through our third-party operator relationships and where it makes sense to bring Bridge Senior Living in to either enhance or help in a challenging situation. We're in, a, I think, a very unique uh, position as an owner and fund manager to be able to do that with our own integrated operating platform. And you spoke about the headwinds going into 2019 and uh, that you're pleased with where you were at the end of the year. Are there any areas where you think you made improvements that really drove that performance, maybe in sales and marketing, for instance? Can you point to anything that you did, whether it's hiring new people or new processes and procedures, anything like that, that that drove the improvement over the course of the year? And how are you measuring that? Is that in uh, improved occupancy or other metrics? Yeah, I think I think we came into 2019 realizing that, you know, from 2016 through 2000 and through the end of 2018, we had a unprecedented amount of, of net new supply into the seniors housing market, which has, you know, caused tremendous headwinds for occupancy growth and within our industry. And, you know, we've seen that really in the nick that as we look at you know, occupancy in seniors housing has really been at unprecedented lows uh, since we've been tracking it. So we knew we had our work cut out for us. Uh, we knew where our challenges were. And so we put a lot of uh, focus and resources and energy around, you know, where we felt like we needed to have the greatest impact as a company. We kind of worked with the philosophy of, uh, you know, we inspect what we expect. So we as a company and as really as an executive team, yeah, one of the foundational things we did that was very different is we got out in the buildings uh, on a monthly basis. And, you know, as the president of our uh, Bridge Senior Living and uh, our chief asset officer, David Grady, likes to say, you know, it's all about hills down the, down the hallway for us and really, you know, seeing what's going on. There's no substitute for that and, and talking with the teams there and talking with them about the challenges they're having in the communities. Why can't, why aren't we getting the traction we should be getting? And so from that standpoint, we, we really, I think, uh, were in the field uh, in a way that we never have been before, hands-on, rolling up our sleeves uh, with our teams in the field, our third-party operators, uh, with the regionals, you know, uh, management teams, with actually with executive directors and, and their teams within the communities. We wanted to be there. We wanted to see firsthand, and we wanted to do that on a very frequent basis. We got to know the rhythm of the community and where the uh, challenges were and where the opportunities might be and just helping them as a resource. And the areas that we really saw a significant impact were on occupancy growth across our portfolios. I think on average, we experienced about 3% occupancy growth in a, in a again, a, in a flat to vanish market overall. And then same store sales growth from an NOI perspective, we saw strong double digit um, NOI growth across the portfolio as well. And I think, again, it's a direct, the direct impact of our team and their passion to, to really work with and understand the issues with the, you know, with the challenges that each one of these communities were having. 
Great. So I want to talk about the M&A market a little bit. I think data show that deal prices in senior housing have come down a little bit since 2017 when they were um, at a recent high. But I think we're still hearing continued concerns about high prices for acquisitions. What are you seeing out there? Yeah, you know, I think I think first and foremost, uh, over time, that the investor landscape has has really diversified. It's expanded, you know, um, by investor type, as you mentioned, over the past several years. So a lot of uh, a lot of new capital has been raised, and I think you know that that's contributed certainly to the challenges in the marketplace today. I think the increase of the number of funds. Um, it's just a deeper, more competitive field, and you know, transaction volume too, as we all know, has been down. Have been pretty flat over the last three years, which has contributed to, I think, challenges for a lot of new capital in the marketplace uh, wanting to to get in, uh, get placed and invested into seniors' housing. So, I think all of those uh, different issues certainly uh, present challenges for you know companies like ourselves that are deeply committed to to being a uh, distinctive capital provider in the space. So we really believe that, you know, at the end of the day, um, private equity in particular has a very distinct role in the capital inflows. Uh, it has, it will, I think, uh, fill the gap, uh, you know, as, with, as it relates to the public equity markets. Um, I think the balance between the public and private markets uh, will continue you know, to fluctuate over market cycles, uh, which I think at the end of the day really provides a very healthy capital markets environment overall for seniors housing uh, going forward. And, you know, when we look at the, you know, the potential growth in our industry on a go forward basis, uh, we continue to be very excited about uh, the opportunities presented to us. Yeah. I'm curious about the, what you take away from um, the, you mentioned the greater diversity of capital sources coming into the industry in the last few years, and I think um, private equity in particular has been more active in doing deals, and we've seen more players come into the space. And I'm starting to hear from some, mainly on the provider side, who are worried about that some of these private equity investors are maybe going to drive short-term returns at the expense of creating uh, high-quality operations in the long term because... They think that maybe some of the investments that have to be made into um, creating next-gen communities with all the technology that they need, for instance, um, that might not work on a five-year timeline for a return. So, obviously, Bridge has been around the space for a long time. I think there are a couple other private equity groups that have as well. With your experience of the space and your knowledge of the private equity world, what do you have any of these concerns about some of the new players coming in and maybe what return expectations are versus what the needs of the provider uh, companies are? I don't think we have concerns just based on my, my last kind of comments regarding, you know, I think anytime you've got healthy capital inflows that that should be perceived as a, as a positive thing overall. I think that, you know, the challenges for those um, capital inflows are going to be, identifying you know the right types of investments to make based on whatever the investment thesis are you know predominantly we're seeing capital that wants to be in uh, more stabilized uh, assets which you know for us as a capital provider i think our distinction really is we can invest kind of up and down you know the capital need stack if you will relating to whether it's new construction all the way through deep deep value add where you know the properties in, in pretty 
significant disrepair, both from a physical plan, from an operation standpoint. We're not at all concerned about um, those types of deals. If we can see really the the relevancy of the market, the characteristics of what we believe uh, are fundamental to a, a successful investment in seniors housing, we've proven that out you know, through many, many investments that we've made across the board. So I think it's all about the approach, you know, for uh, capital coming into these investments, uh, knowing that there is a lot of competition. I think as we see the competition, we continue to, uh, and not surprised by new competitors coming into the market, but I think it all comes down to, you know, it's just, Tim, as you know, it's a very small sector, relatively speaking to other food groups of real estate. Uh, it's very relationship and reputation driven as well. Uh, I think we've really worked hard to develop deep, deep relationships uh, and trust and confidence across our platform and how we conduct our our business and 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 how we do deals um, here at Bridge Seniors. I think that's a big differentiator for us. I think you know sellers uh, of of seniors housing are looking for investors that uh, have a great track record of, of doing what they say they're going to do. And uh, I think that's really the reputation that we have. And those that are successful, a lot of our colleagues, I think, uh, certainly are the same way in that regard. And those are the ones that are going to have, I think, continued success on a go-forward basis. And as new entrants come into the space, uh, they will continue to you know, find that as an opportunity for them to grow as well. But I think overall, you asked the question, am I concerned about it? I think we're cautious. We know we had to, gosh, we are on the back end of finalizing, you know, kind of our deployment in our current fund. And, you know, we had to look at over 4,000 deals over the last several years to get to a, a portfolio of about 54 properties. Uh, so you have to look at a lot of opportunity. Uh, you have to be in front of a lot, a lot of opportunity. And and our team really has uh, done a great job of of seeing the deal flow, and then you know quickly deciding which ones really make sense for our capital and our investors, and then working very diligently with our with our seller groups to ensure that you know we're very efficient, effective, not wasting anybody's time to get to a deal, and and then ultimately to a cl- efficient closing. Got it. I want to talk about workforce briefly because I think that's uh, the top of everyone's worry lists in 2019. And from what I can tell, it's definitely still the top going into 2020. And I've, from where I sit, just reporting on this space, I've been hearing this is the top challenge for the industry year after year. And I just feel like I keep hearing sort of the same ideas over and over about how to address it, whether it's putting in career ladders or recruiting in high schools or making sure you're paying a competitive wage, which I think are all important, but seem kind of like table stakes to me at this point. So where, where are you, how are you thinking about workforce challenges? And do you think that more dramatic action needs to be taken either by providers or, or and owners or, or on the industry level? You know, I think it's a real issue. It's a significant issue in our industry. It's, it is in, in any service industry today. So we're not in a class by ourselves. I think there are certainly, we're seeing a lot of new kind of strategy and tactics coming into the market, a lot of ideas relating to, you know, how you, you know, combat some of the uh, challenges regarding labor costs, if you will. You know, we're really trying to approach it from the perspective, and, and I think you've probably you know, I've heard this from others of being with our third-party operators and our our own senior living operating platform, being the employee.
employer of choice and really defining what that means in concrete terms through our culture. And I think at the end of the day, culture really drives everything as it relates to someone's desire to not only uh, want to work for your company, but also want to stay with your company and, you know, provide, you know, everything that they can to to be the best that they can. And so we work a lot on on that. And, you know, we kind of have our secret sauce that we have started to really, I think, perfect in a lot of ways. Got a long way to go, but we're excited about um, embracing this challenge as a great opportunity in our industry. So it's a big, it's a big deal for us. We're, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of things around it specifically to address it. Something that we wake up every day. It's top of mind for us. It's never in the rear view mirror because it is such a significant issue. And so it's one that those that are going to thrive in our industry going forward will be very good at being that employer choice in dealing with that as it relates to, you know, labor costs themselves. We all, you know, I think, you know, as a company, we certainly embraced, you know, $15 uh, an hour minimum wage across the country in, in terms of how we underwrite our investments and how we look at our return perspectives and the impact of that. So those things for us are certainly baked in, I'm sure, for a lot of our other colleagues as well. So, you know, those are the things that we have to work on daily. And again, uh, the things that we we embrace and constantly thinking about uh, better ways to approach it, better ways to, to, to enhance our culture, to ensure that, uh, you know, whether it's somebody that's working in one of our uh, communities uh, as a maintenance director to, um, you know, a caregiver to our management people, that they feel welcome, that they feel relevant in, uh, in working for our company or for our third-party operators, that they feel valued, that they feel like that there's opportunity for them to grow within the company and do that in a meaningful way. And that's really where the culture comes in. And I think as people embrace that type of culture, it becomes very real and authentic. And, and that's really, at the end of the day, we believe where you know those that do that well will have a distinct competitive advantage over those that don't. So looking ahead to 2020, what are uh, some of your top priorities? You know, I think top priorities for us really are just the industry itself, just re, I think relying on the demographic imperative uh, for the success of our business is is something that is a recipe for, for failure, ultimately. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, you know, um, pushing the thresholds of delivering the very best quality of life to our senior population is really at the for us at the kind of the at the core of how we think about success. We think that you know seniors housing has an opportunity to really thrive in 2020 and, and through this decade as we capitalize on the demographic imperative, of course. But the only way it's going to thrive is as we continue to evolve and challenge ourselves to, I think, to be the very best at what we do. I think you know what as always differentiated seniors housing, what we can't lose focus on is the social socialization aspect of that. I heard my dear friend Larry Cohen talk about this a long time ago and it resonated with me that, you know, socialization is such a key part of a of, of any person's uh, quality of life. Certainly as you get older, the dynamics of socialization become more and more challenging and having an environment where uh, that challenge is, is kind of broken down through being in a community with people that really uh, are like-minded and care about you and 
and uh, you can engage with and, and have like interests and stuff and continue to grow and expand. Those are the real benefits of, of I think, this industry and for us, how we think about it. So, you know, we're certainly focused on the on the blocking and tackling of performance as a company for 2020. I think beyond that, though, we're we're really more focused on you know how can we reach out to a growing population of seniors that that will need and do need at some level care. How can our communities within a marketplace reach out to them to connect them with our communities and connect them with all the you know the service and culture of our communities that that really allow our residents that live there to thrive and so we're looking at a lot of those types of initiatives to be more connected in the markets that we have communities in and reaching out to people that may not live there today but may benefit from some of the things that we provide in our communities so i think for 2020 we see as a year of continued uh, strong execution across, you know, our investments in the performance of ongoing growth and, and, and health of our buildings, but we do that through, you know, building healthy cultures and happy residents. Great. Yeah, I like what you said about not just kind of waiting around for the demographics and also this aspect of uh, kind of socialization is something I'm hearing from other leaders in the space too. I just talked to Brenda for the podcast, Brenda Bacon with Brandywine, and she hit on the same yeah. idea. Or do you think you mentioned sort of greater integration with the surrounding community, even within the building itself? Are there things that you think Senior Living can do either from a design perspective going forward to foster greater socialization or leveraging technology, things like that? I think those are all things that are opportunities for us, yes. So, you know, we're certainly, you know, we have a prop tech committee here at, at Bridge, broadly speaking, and then within the seniors group. So we're looking at a lot of uh, technology opportunity to help help continue to evolve and, and make our business better and really, again, better for our residents and our residents' families, as well as, uh, you know, back of house opportunities to make our operations out of our, our business more effective and efficient. But I think those are really, Tim, the opportunities that we have before us. Um, and I think, you know, you'll continue to see more and more innovation within the four walls of our buildings. But I think there's so much more to it than that. Again, I can't emphasize enough uh, kind of more of the culture side and the socialization side. So creating, you know, buildings uh, with innovation that, that allows that, that humor, human interaction and socialization and allowing residents to thrive in these environments, I think is going to be the key on that side of things and doing it through, you know, through the architectural elements of it, as well as technology elements of it. But, but I think more importantly than all of that, it's really kind of the human element of it and, and how we continue to train and, and um, engage all of those that, that impact that side of the business. Right. And then looking ahead to 2020, what are your top concerns? Do you see any threats on the horizon, whether it's with the economy overall or the housing market or disruption from new players, anything like that? You know, again, I think I probably would answer it very similarly to, you know, for us specifically, you know, we are really trying to not look at, you know, what, what the immediate, immediate concerns for us are really continuing to, you know, look at where uh, growth opportunities are within within the sectors and and how we capitalize on on those and that's also the biggest challenge i think you know the bigger concern as an industry as i said before if if we are complacent you know in our in in this industry and only really 
kind of relying on the, the demographic imperative and the growth of the baby boomer 75 and older population of driving us out of any you know, challenges and headwinds that we have today, I think we're missing the bigger opportunity. And I think this business really gets left behind in a lot of ways. And so I think the bigger concern is really as an industry, what can we do to challenge ourselves to literally provide the best quality of life environment for our aging population, our seniors, that's unique and differentiated from really any other form of, of care that's out there today. Uh, there's a lot of things being done. A lot of people trying to, you know, bring in new ideas, new ways to um, engage the senior population, disruptors, if you will. But I think, again, we have such a huge advantage uh, given, you know, some of the things we've been talking about with our communities and those residents that live in them. That's really the concern is if we get complacent and don't continue to challenge ourselves to be better. And you mentioned uh, finding those opportunities for growth. Do you have any sense for at least maybe the next 12 months, say, if there's a particular like level of care that you think is prime for growth? Are you looking at new opportunities in spaces like active adults at all? Or do you think that it's assisted living, memory care, the sort of higher acuity side? Is that more your focus or are you casting a wide net? Yeah, I think we're really focused on the blocking and tackling of providing the very best, you know, care levels within the context of what we call the, you know, the care and service enriched side of, uh, of ILAL and, and memory care today and mm-hmm. how we connect that in with, you know, uh, post acute care, uh, other opportunities, uh, in acute care, you know, operators uh, in, in the markets that we work with and, and how we can enhance seamlessly some of that. We think there's big opportunities there, certainly on that side of the business, and we'll continue to explore those most importantly. So, yeah, I think that's really, for us, mm-hmm. continues to be a big opportunity. I, you know, I think you know, one of the other advantages of seniors housing, it really is on a daily basis. It's the most cost-effective way to provide service and care uh, to those that need it uh, when you compare it to you know, any type of acute care type environment. And from a scale perspective, I think, you know, even when you look at, you know, home health and how you service the needs from an efficiency standpoint, it's just hard to do that. And I think, again, that's where seniors housing really presents the best opportunity for the efficiency and and cost effectiveness for families and and residents uh, to provide a high quality experience and care. Great. So if you could sit down with a couple other senior living leaders you really respect, what would you want to talk about? When do you find time to relax? That would probably be the number one thing, right? (laughs) No, I think, you know, again, I think it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. You know, how do we continue to not be complacent and take advantage of this unprecedented opportunity that's finally before us? Something that, that, you know, I've been in the business for almost two and a half decades now. And, you know, we've been talking about the, the baby boomer demographic now during that entire period. It's finally on our doorstep. And it's a huge opportunity. And how do we, how do we really maximize that and have the greatest impact we can have as a business to provide something that we believe can be transformative to a person's life as they're aging and very concerned about, you know, not only them, but their families uh, of how they're going to be cared for. Uh, and have a quality of life. And I think that's really the opportunity before us. And, you know, engaging with like-minded owners and operators within those types of conversations to challenge ourselves 
is something that, that I would be really excited about uh, creating that type of form to continue to push ourselves to be the best that we can be and evolve and innovate, um, you know, as, as we look at a lot of things that are going on in this world today and changes that are happening. I think, you know, we have the opportunity to take advantage of that within the context of providing, um, you know, a, a unique service and environment to um, our, our population bases that we serve and, uh, and their families that uh, can have a material uh, and very satisfying impact. All right, great. Uh, well, I enjoyed the conversation. Thanks again for uh, taking the time to talk with the podcast. Thank you for inviting me, Tim, and uh, all the best for 2020. Likewise. And that does it for this episode of Transform. Once again, thanks go to our podcast sponsor today, Point Click Care. If you're looking to streamline your workflows for service delivery and documentation, visit www.pointclickcare.com to see how Point Click Care's new mobile app, Companion, can provide you with simplified services and medication delivery in the palm of your hand. I'm Tim Mullaney. Thanks for listening.